I'm Mary Angela Abeo, and this is Virtual Pride on the Face to Faces podcast. While pride is amazing with all the glitter, libations, and celebrations, the real pride is striving to live our truths and fighting for equality, education, and inclusion whenever and wherever we go, starting right here in our personal spaces with how we celebrate ourselves and take care of our community. I'm hoping that this month we give you content to help remind you that though this year's pride may be quiet in your neighborhood bars, clubs, and sidewalks, there is an incredible community of humans ready to celebrate you. And no matter who you talk to, there will always be someone who can connect to your journey. Though we're physically separate this year, no one can take the connection that our pride gives us to each other. Now, let's lean in and celebrate. Okay, as we continue Trans Pride Week here within Virtual Pride, on the podcast, I am so honored to welcome part of the cast and crew of the powerful song and music video, I Am Samantha. Director T. Cooper is here for a second time this week. Filmmaker, director, he is author of eight novels and a nonfiction book, as well as a journalist, television writer, currently serving as a writer and consulting producer on NBC's The Blacklist. He's a professor of English and creative writing at Emory University in Atlanta singer-songwriter Benjamin Scheuer wrote and performed the song for his friend Samantha, both to honor her journey and to paint a larger picture showing both inclusion and representation. Dr. Melvin Whitehead is a member of the all-transgender cast and crew, I must add, in this video. He just recently graduated getting his PhD and works in student affairs and is a professor. And your PhD was from the University of Georgia, which is congrats. And lastly, but certainly not least, Samantha Williams is here, the namesake of the video. She is a writer, and both she and Benjamin are coming to us today from the UK. This song and music video was released on March 31st, and that was International Transgender Day of Visibility, which was pretty rad, and was actually sent to me by a mutual friend of T's and I. And from there, it started this domino effect of correspondence that is leading to this very moment in time. And I'm just so honored to have you all here. Welcome, officially. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, first of all, what I like to say to everyone and ask everybody when we start these interviews is, because we're in this weird place in the world and point in time where nothing is, we're in this upside down world basically right now. Um, I want to emotionally check in with everybody. How are you feeling? How are you doing in this quarantine? How are you doing today? Maybe we'll start with Benjamin, then T, then Samantha, then Melvin. I'm in rural Wales, staying in my in-laws with my wife and my daughter. And I've been spending a lot of time with my daughter, who's 16 months old, and our Labradoodle puppy. Uh, we've been going around picking flowers, and and I've been having a really hard time writing, uh, but I'm just beginning to get back into the consistency of writing and making sense of my feelings. It's day 74 here, uh, and the sun is shining, so we're all, we're all doing okay. Yeah, I'm trying not to be too repetitive um, from the last interview where I expressed gratitude for getting to spend time with my kids, which, you know, college kids, you just 
never get to see him. So there's there's some upsides with that. There's also some some challenging aspects. Um, but yeah, I mean, really just trying, as I said yesterday, to stay in the moment, doing okay. But you know, when when news um, gets through, even though I try to filter it, it's you know from from the stuff that's still happening in this country. Just yesterday in Minneapolis with another um, you know person essentially ex- executed by law enforcement on the street. Uh, person of color it's just like um it's hard so today's a a harder day than yesterday but also still feel very grateful to be getting to talk about stuff that ideally touches a person um like this video and and helps them or changes them in some way hi so i'm actually coming to you from uh queens new york Uh, um so uh, it would be cool to be hanging around with uh benjamin in in wales or you know, <laughs> in his in his pastoral dreamland out there uh, with the sheep. Um, but I've been I was I've been at home um, self quarantining since March twenty second. I was laid off by my service industry job. Um, they have since reopened, but they have not had a need for me yet. So I'm still kind of just uh, you know only going out when I really need to or getting exercise, um, just sort of taking all the, all the recommended precautions. I've, uh, I have to say though, that as hard as it can be being isolated and feeling like you're under house arrest, I am very fortunate to, um, have, you know, I'm, I'm on unemployment. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, hungry. Um, I've had a lot of time to write, though that's been kind of a challenge, as Benjamin was saying. Um, with even you know, you think at the beginning of this, oh, I have all the time in the world now. I should I should look at this positively and work on my screenplay. And um, instead, I've just found that there have been weeks where I just haven't been up to it and have just been binge watching things or reading things or sleeping. <laughs> but. Um, you know, I have to say overall, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. And Melbourne. Yeah. Um, overall I'm doing pretty well. Um, I think with yesterday's news about George Floyd and, um, the Christian Cooper video, it's been kind of, um, placed me in a position where I feel kind of like on the one hand, kind of numb and on the other hand, kind of angry. Um, I have a lot to be thankful for, a lot of gratitude to express for, you know, having a job lined up for this fall and not being for want of anything right now. I have lots of community and friends and um, love and abundance. So um, overall, pretty well. I've been quarantining with three housemates, so it's been great to be isolated. And um, yeah, we've been celebrating my birthday and my two housemates had their wedding anniversary last week and their birthdays are on back-to-back days and one of them overlaps with the wedding anniversary. So there's been a lot of joy around the house, around that. We've been trying to find ways to celebrate each other in quarantine. So that's been really good. I love that. I love that you are all finding uh, small pieces of joy and remembering um, what you can to kind of get through because like I said, this is unprecedented. And, and like T said, there's so much happening in our world that's a uh, dumpster garbage fire that we just we have to try to survive it 
Um, to get a little bit deeper into this, Benjamin, I would love to talk about your inspiration and and what you hoped to express and get across to people with this song. I think um, I know for me how it made me feel, and I've heard so many other people's feelings around it. But it's always nice to hear from the the songwriter and performer themselves. I was in New York City where I'd lived for the past fourteen years in the summer of two thousand and eighteen. Uh, and I went into my favorite coffee shop, Joe Coffee, in the corner of uh, Waverly Place and Gay Street. And I was chatting with my friend, Samantha, who was behind the bar, uh, a barista there. And, and on the stereo system, the song Sean by the Foo Fighters started playing. And Samantha and I started joking about songs with people's names in them. Her colleague behind the bar was called Sean. And Samantha's like, even Sean gets a song. Every Mary gets a song. Every Maria gets a song. You know, I don't know a song with my name, Samantha, in it. And I said, well, you know, Samantha, I'm a songwriter. If you'd like, I could try and write one. Why don't you tell me about your name? And we got together. We went out and had lunch. We had tacos in this little spot on Greenwich Avenue in the village. And I opened my notebook and I took notes and we recorded the conversation on an iPhone. And I said to Samantha, start at the beginning and tell me about your t- tell me tell me about your name and the story she told me i found so extraordinarily moving uh that i, I mean I, I wrote it down i simply wanted the song to reflect the story that samantha told me my idea of success for this song was my friend samantha liked it and thought it was good i didn't really have much uh I didn't think beyond that point. If Samantha was happy with it, then I was happy. At the same time, I was making a record, and I thought I'd recorded the rest of the songs for this for this record. And so um, no one was really bothering me to write any more songs for the album. So I went into the studio and recorded this song with my producer, Jeff Crayley. We were tracking it in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And, and I brought it to the record company. And well, first I brought it to Samantha. As I was working on the song, I'd send drafts to Samantha and she's an amazing writer. So she'd send me back notes. And I was in the beginning worried, Samantha, that your notes are going to be like, oh, this is too personal or this is too, this is too close to home. And you were always like, can it, can you be more clear, Benjamin? Like, can you simplify and tighten the narrative so everybody understands it more? I mean, Samantha gave the most wonderful notes. And so when we recorded it, Samantha and I were like, well, like if we make a music video, for this song, you know, like we've got to get a trans director to tell this story. And so that's how I came across T's wonderful work. A colleague introduced me to Man Made, which I watched and it blew my mind. And, and I suppose we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the story uh, in just a moment. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Perfect segue. Thank you. Um, Yeah. T when we originally talked, we had this Zoom and I was so excited to, to meet you. And we talked and you said, besides, I think you said besides one PA, the entire cast, crew, and like post team was transgender, which I, that brought me to tears in itself. So explain well, that process a little bit. I will. I, I should correct you. Um, what I, what I, what it was, the crew was actually, it was all either trans, queer, LGBT, or female, or folks of color. Perfect. And for folks in film, you know how rare that is. Um, and I, I work in everything from like super micro indie stuff that I shoot all by myself to like mainstream NBC, Sony pictures, you know, productions like The Blacklist. 
and everywhere in between. And, and you always hear from people, yeah, let's try to get women. Let's try to get people, people of color. Let's try to get queer folks. And they, and it's always just like, Oh, it's so hard to get good people. And it's like, it's like, it's just a myth. And um, as the folks here can attest, everyone of whom was on set, like our crew and our cast, obviously we had 27 trans folk in the film, but the folks behind the camera, every single person, um, except two, like the lowest people on the rung, which I love saying, or like two, <laughs> the two cis straight white dudes there were PAs. <laughs> um, and they were Emory yeah. students. Yeah. It's like, you know, pick this up, move that. You know, we all said with glee, no, just kidding. Um, but it is time for that. But anyway, um, you know, and like, it's not hard to assemble a crew that cares. And, and like, it really showed on set, like the, the vibe, even when things, you know, there's money involved. So there, that money and time. So even when things got stressful or we were losing light or whatever, people's respect level for the subject matter, um, for the, for the crew, um, in general and the, you know, the, the, the project. And then of course the cast was just so evident in every move they made from every decision about, uh, you know, camera use to, you know, moving set to feeding people to making, making people feel welcome. And anyway, I, it, it just, um, it's like, you just have to put a little effort in to do that. Um, and not throw up your hands up and go, well, no one, you know, folks haven't reached that high in that industry. So, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, how hard it is, like folks like me are not in the position to make decisions about which say trans projects gets greenlit. So the type of projects that get greenlit about people of any difference you know, those decisions aren't getting made by the people who are of that difference. And thus it's not being made by the people who are of that difference. And it just really changes the lens. And that brings it back to what Benjamin was saying, which is like, you know, this story would have been very different had it been made just by some random music video director that the label was like, Oh, we love this guy. Let's hire him. He'll kill it. You know? And it's like, no, it might've been cool, but like, it wouldn't have had this feeling. It wouldn't have had not only the story that, you know, I pitched to them when, when we talked to them, which was to build this all trans world. Um, but I don't think that the product and the experience would have been as beautiful and like just moving and they, and you see it in the behind the scenes video, you can see and feel how moving it was to be a part of that. I was just going to mention the behind the scenes video that I believe it was your wife that did that video. I think that would be, that's a great testament to future projects and putting that out there to future people that want to have projects. This is how easy this is. This is how you cast, you know, if I see one more, you know, heterosexual cis human playing a transgender person in a movie, I'm going to boycott like there. It's just, it's not necessary. And so, but I think you were right. There's just, it's, it's how it works, but I think you are in the forefront of trying to change that. I wanted to ask Samantha and Melvin, you know, how did it feel to be on this set? It's, you had a small universe created that was what we hope and wish at some point will be the inclusivity around us. But for now, you had this microcosm that was, I I was jealous. I was watching it and was in awe at what he created. But I was also like, can you imagine walking down the street and feeling this? How did it feel? And, and to have that level of representation and just the experience in general, I'll ask Melvin first and then Samantha. Sure. It felt very surreal and powerful at the same time. You know, and I say that even as someone who, you know, I'm, I'm openly transgender in my day-to-day life. I have lots of trans friends and trans community. And even still, um, to be on that kind of set where everyone's trans um, felt very powerful. Like, I remember one moment there was, like, um, 
two moms of the um, some of the trans kids on the set, and they were talking, have this conversation about their kids' transitions and you know finding doctors, and how normal that conversation was in that setting, and not having to tend to a cisgender gaze or or worry about who's going to overhear you. Um, and I thought about how you know my day to day life when I move around, you know, in the world I live in, you know, as a black queer trans person, and how I'm constantly positioned at the margins to be positioned towards the center on this very, on this set felt very powerful and got me thinking about what possibilities are there. What this could like be like day to day life where people don't have to like try so hard to find one another, someone who has our identities. Like we're we're just out and open and and it and feel safe in being out and open. I love that. So you, you mentioned that I'm a, a writer. I am a screenwriter. And one of the stories I've been trying to tell for a long time has been a story of a character who's like me, uh, sort of sort of um, an extension of the I am Samantha story. And um, one of the things I've struggled with with that is who's going to, if I take all this time to write this thing, who's going to, who's going to put money behind it? Um, who's going to want to see it? Who's the audience for this? And <clears throat> I realized that that question um, was, um, was beyond like just an artistic question. I was basically asking is my story or the story of another trans individual worth telling or ending up on the big screen or in somebody's living room? Um, and being on the set of this music video, I, I was just, I almost felt ashamed of uh, considering that question. Um, it just, it just felt so right to be there and it felt so affirming. Um, and just in so many ways, it was just an incredibly memorable weekend. Um, there were, you know, more than 27 of us, you know, if you count the cast, if you count the crew, and everybody had a different story. And it's just, you get into a room with every, like a, a group of everyone who's trans and you realize we're all just people. Um, we all have different, different life experiences. We're all individuals. And when you, one of the, one of the uh, cast members said in the behind the scene um, that she was cast in this, not as trans woman, but as yoga lady. And it was, it was cool to like, it was cool to be like, um, known for something other than just, you know, here's the trans person in the cast. Um, and I, I thought that was really cool. Um, I'm not really, I'm not really like a, a socially outgoing person. So I'm not really plugged into any sort of, um, community on a regular basis. So it was also really awesome just to be around other people who understand, uh, my experience more than than a lot of other people would, um, and yeah, like, I'll never forget that weekend. Um, I'm hoping someday to, you know, be part of like a reunion of that and, and watch the video together and just uh, get to hang out and celebrate this this beautiful project. I love that idea, and I and I definitely think that you know, this kind of goes into my next question. You kind of already answered this, but it seems to have been a confidence builder and, and a catalyst for you, it sounds like, with your screenplay. And, you know, is there anything that you feel now? Because I know Melvin was saying that that he is very um, out with his friends and has a trans community and, and is like that. And you were saying you don't have that as much. Has this helped you kind of want to move into that space and, and feel confident with, with uh, the world that was portrayed 
in T's mind and then in, in the video? Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly excited to run into more, um, in, in hopefully in like my professional experiences run into more, uh, you know, people like Melvin and T who are just, um, you know, incredible artists or just, you know, performers that are willing to be out there and in front of people. Um, it's, uh, it just, it's, um, a lot of times when I think about my work, I think like that it's, you know, it has some sort of asterisk next to it because the audience will be smaller. And, um, one of the things that this, this project has shown me with all the people of different walks of life responding to it um, has shown me is that it's um, this is the story is like universal in so many ways, right? It's like, it's about sort of embracing who you are. And in my case, it just happens to be, you know, trans in somebody else's case, it's something else where mom and dad didn't accept it, or, you know, they're afraid to walk out their door, you know, in expressing it. Um, and, uh, I think on some level, everybody, uh, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people can, can sort of, um, respond to that. This is the trans experience is like universal in some ways. And it's, it's awesome to see, um, like cisgender people, um, realize that. Yeah. And I think that Benjamin, your lyrics, spoke to so much of that. You know, it spoke to me as a queer, it spoke to me as somebody who's going on my own gender journey, but also as a parent, you know, when that, that shot where you've got those two youth and then Benjamin's lyric of when, you know, you can't choose who your kids are. I saw because it, it, I saw their, the joy in their eyes. I saw them being seen and feeling seen in that moment. And when you have kids, you can't choose who they are. You, as a parent, you're just like, oh, it just gives you. And, and so it, it was so special hearing this, not just in the context we were talking, but from a cis heterosexual male. I think that as, as allies, you know, you, you're setting a great example for, uh, the responsibility of of normalizing because it's not a just like in the black lives matter movement it's not a black person's responsibility to normalize and make us educated it's not the trans responsibility to normalize and educate us it's we have to rise to that level and so i think you're doing a great job and so as a straight cis male who wrote this song how was your feedback how did your fans respond and have you had a chance to help level them up with this so i was told by a songwriting teacher named laurie white uh benjamin if you want to write a good song write what you don't want other people to know about you and if you want to write a great song write what you don't want to know about yourself and while I was working on the song, I am Samantha, the, I had done my best to craft the narrative to tell Samantha's story as truly as possible. I did have to ask myself the question, what is it that I am bringing to this song personally that can connect with Samantha's story? Like, why am I telling this story? And how can I be vulnerable as well and have... Samantha's story and my story converge. And while I was writing it, my wife was pregnant with our first child. 
And I was terrified that I wasn't going to do a good job being a parent, that I was going to make the wrong decisions, that I was going to want my kid to be one way and they were going to be another way. And so I put my own fear and vulnerability into the song as well and realized that with the lines from Samantha's perspective, I've lost a lot to have made it this far. I am not broken or bad or bizarre. When you have kids, you can't choose who they are. It fit the narrative of Samantha's song. And it was also advice to me that I, I wanted to, to always try and remember. And so, Em, in order uh, to answer your question, how have people responded? I think in, in a similar way that you have, that uh, my hope is that when something is a good piece of art, people react emotionally to that which connects them to the piece rather than that which uh, pushes, you know, they, they don't feel a connection to. And I, I think Samantha's story is very much of one of parents and children. And, and so I've heard from parents of parents who have trans children. I've heard from children who have trans parents. And then I've heard simply heard from people who, who like a, a compelling story and uh, so it, it's been pretty overwhelming to see the numbers on YouTube. This music video pass 150,000 views uh, uh, and to give such visibility to Samantha and T's work and Melvin and the rest of this cast and to let people hear the track. It's, it's really been, it, it's, it's been really extraordinary and I'm really grateful for it. I love that. Um, you know, Melvin, I, I would love to know how you have felt after this experience, you know, and, and, so my project, Faces of Fortitude, I have people apply to be faces that have been either suicidal or have mental illness or have lost a family member to suicide. And I would say over half of my applicants are transgender. However, only 10% of those make it in front of my camera because they're scared, because they haven't told their families, because they're experiencing transphobia around them, body dysmorphia. Like there, there's so many reasons that they're so hesitant and they're still struggling. And I think uh, your portrayal in the world and the way you're so confident and have have taken your journey and are sharing it with people is so inspiring to some of the people that follow me. I would love to know what you would say to some of these youth or people on their journey. I mean, I'm not a youth, I'm 45, but my journey just started, you know, a few years ago. So I think that, you know, I would love to hear how you feel afterwards and any advice you may have for people that are at a different stage in their journey that might be struggling right now and looking up to you. Sure. Um, in terms of how I felt after the video, um, again, I think it just instilled a sense of pride and also was very inspiring in terms of thinking about what the future could be. Um, sometimes we need to be able to imagine something before we can, you know, work towards it. And, and I think T and the rest of the crew did a great job in bringing that vision um, forward. Um, you know, in terms of people on their own journeys right now, I think the a one, couple of things that come to mind is like, you know, being patient with yourself. Um, I am someone who uh, took a long time to make many decisions along the way related to my transition. Um, it took me a long time to even decide I wanted to use different pronouns. Um, it took me years to decide I wanted a legal name change. Um, a few more years beyond that to decide on, you know, if I wanted any gender confirmation surgeries or needed any. And so all that to say, being patient with yourself was one of the biggest lessons I learned throughout my transition um, and um, giving yourself time to process and decide what it is that you need in order to be your whole self. 
Um, and then also, you know, I've, I've been in a privileged place to not have lost any relationships due to being transgender. And I know that's something that many trans folks experience, um, losing our relationships from people who don't accept them. Um, but another thing I would offer is that there are people who will love you um, and will embrace you. And I had to um, first go online to find that community for myself. You know, I, I before I even told anyone, even my closest friends, um, just meeting other trans people on YouTube was something that was very empowering for me. And to see people who are living their truth uh, was something that I needed at that time. And so all that to say, uh, in addition to being patient with yourself, is that um, knowing that there are people who will support you and love you. Uh, they might be virtual if they're not in person, not that the in person is not important, but you know, there, there are people out there. So. I love that. And right now, so many of us, all we have is virtual. So I mean, mm-hmm. you got to do what you can anyways. Um, you know, my yeah. last question before we get into these lightning round questions are um, to, to tease specifically as a transgender man who, you know, you're literally creating projects that are lifting up the community and you're educating people. Um, what do you think each of us could be doing better? Because I'm a firm believer in mutual aid, mutual knowledge, mutual um, support and allyship. And, you know, I think that uh, while the, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, while the transgender and queer community is in the spotlight when it fits society and when it fits media and when there's a story, whether it's dramatic or violent or whatever, that's what the media holds on to. What could we be doing all of us to help the progress of inclusion so that the word transgender doesn't have to be a qualifier anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a huge um, prospect. And I think that, I think that it starts with empathy, obviously, and that empathy, um, you know, is sown and then grown, um, in different ways for different people, right? Like the people can only, it's like, it's like kids, you tell them a piece of information, you're adopted or whatever. And like, you can tell them a hundred times and then suddenly at a certain age, they're like, oh oh my God, I'm adopted. You know what I mean? Like people can only absorb the information that they can absorb at the time that they're able to, to receive it for whatever reason. And so that's why for me, as someone who tells a lot of trans stories, also tells a lot of man, uh, a mainstream stories, but they're coming from a trans perspective. So there is some infusion there um, and inclusion and awareness about um, really just identity, but identity of all kinds. Um, so yeah, like, you, you know, for me, I, I, I honestly, sometimes I'm okay being known as a trans writer or trans filmmaker. And other times I bristle and I'm just like, dude, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a writer. Like, you know, I'm a teacher. Like, um, but, but I do think Melvin brought up, you know, the word visibility and, the point of this film really was, and really in the casting, which, you know, I, I pretty much hand casted it. I mean, I called everybody because I didn't want to just put a call out there and be like, Hey man, want to be in this thing? Like, like, no, it's, it's not like that. You know why? If you put your face in that film, you're putting your life on the line in this current era. And I, that's why I feel so grateful to have found 27 people who are, who had the privilege to be visible for those who cannot. Um, and so, you know, I think that visibility is part of it, but I also think that people have to be mindful of where we are and, and that sometimes being visible is not safe and is not, um, you know, it is a privilege. And as someone like me who has a lot of experience for a lot of years, since I'm like a thousand years old and I don't look that 
I've, I've been doing it for a long time. So I'm in the position where I have um, the privilege to be able to front and center stories and myself as part of them. Um, and, and I just, yeah. So I think it's really hard to, I'm not, I'm not a real, like you should be doing this to anyone. It's really hard to say what folks can be doing, but I think that opening your hearts and minds and finding, like Benjamin said, the little connections in and out um, of stories that might be totally different from your own. And, and that's the irony too. When, when Benjamin and I started talking or actually even before that, you know, people send me stuff all the time. They're like, we need trans people now. All of a sudden we need representation. And a lot of shit, I'm like, that's crazy. No. But when they sent this song to me before, you know, we even talked as a trans person who would presumably, you know, relate to Samantha's story and the transness of it, that was literally, and this is not to be offensive, but that was like the least of it for me. What was the point of that? Like the point in a photograph that hits you or the point in a song that hits you? It was when you have kids, you can't choose who they are because of my being a parent, but also because I'm a child of a parent who could not offer that gift. And that's when I was like, oh, fuck yes, I'm doing this. And I'm doing it in this intentional way to create a world for people who can't step into that world yet or can't even, like Melvin said, imagine that world yet. And that's why I'm so glad it exists. You know, it sucks we had to release it during a global fucking pandemic and you know, like Samantha said, we had a huge, um, you know, party and release that we were going to do in Atlanta and everyone's going to fly in and we we're going to have all the cast and all their friends at a big theater. And it just sucks. Um, but it's out there. And maybe one day, one day we will be able to. You well, know, yeah, together. we can get it. We can get it some traction now, at least and share it, because I think right now we're always educating. We're always lifting up. You know, right now, I think I, I think I can speak on speak to this in the news is that our black trans women are in so much danger and are being murdered. And it's, um, it's something that all of us need to acknowledge, speak on, and not just repost shit and say how sad and surprising this is, but actually be allies, actually move, actually speak on it and acknowledge and make change and hold people accountable. So I think that this video creates that, it creates that, that voice um, that also tugs at heartstrings and it, and it hits people on different levels. And I think that's what hit me the most. Um, well, I have some lightning round questions I'd love to ask you all. And it's just kind of like my love for James Lipton and his way of, of interviewing back in the day. Also, I plan to edit some of these together and make really funny blooper reels in the future. So um, let's, let's go in the order of how I see you on my screen, which is Benjamin Melvin, T, and Samantha, and we'll go in that order to answer these. So the first question is, what is your favorite swear word? Plonker. Whoa, take it back a step. I don't know what the fuck that is. What is that? It's a it's a British express uh, a British expression of derision. Like, don't be such a plonker. It it means what it sounds like. I'm gonna. That's that's a note taken. Amazing. <laughs> Melvin? <laughs> I kind of debated what I wanted to say because I don't really use a lot of swear words, but I do like, I don't know if this counts, um, with other black folks, uh, the N word with the A at the end, um, for me, it's sort of like a term of endearment, functions as a term of endearment. My fiance and I use it with each other. So I like it. I think that's great. I think whatever you use and you like. Yes. <laughs> what about you, T? Well, I mean, I said it yesterday, and again, not in a gendered way, not to offend anybody, but, you know, cunt. Can't live without it. I, I, 
yes and yes. Can I answer? Can I say yes to that in a few different contexts? Like, hundred percent. I can't live without it on all the levels. Yes, and I love. I take. I told you yesterday. I'm taking ownership back of that word, anyways. So, I love that. What about you, Samantha? I swear a lot, um, and I. But I, I. I usually just say fuck shit. You know the usual ones. Um, I I thought about throwing in the word tranny, but I don't know. Feels a little. <clears throat> but I, I decided on shitbird because I think it's funny. I don't even know what it means. I don't even know what it means. I just know shitbird sounds funny. It just, I love that shitbird. <laughs> that is a new one. I'm not mad. I don't know if it's hyphenated. I don't know if it's like one word, two <laughs> words. I don't know. But I feel like you're the creator it. of this one, so you can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> I didn't invent this one. (laughs) All right. Well, I know in this quarantine, we're all kind of going to self-care things, but music for me is helps me get through life. Sometimes I just put headphones in and walk the ghost town city that Seattle is now. Um, What music is your go-to right now? What album or artist are you listening to um, that's helping you get through this? Benjamin? The two things I've been listening to lately have been Oscar Peterson, the jazz pianist, playing West Side Story with his trio, and the British rapper Stormzy, particularly the track from his new record, Rachel's Little Brother. Oh, wow. I love that. What about you, Melvin? Um, I have a playlist called Saturday Morning, and it's filled with music that reminds me of my childhood. You know, I'm sure many folks can relate, but my mom on Saturday mornings would be making breakfast and I would wake up and she would always have the 70s and 80s R&B playing. Um, and so my Saturday morning playlist is full of 70s and 80s R&B that I remember um, listening as I would wake up and to the smell of sausages. So That sounds magical. <laughs> Can I be part of that Saturday morning sausage <laughs> and yeah. 80s R&B? Wow. <laughs> what about you, T? Uh, well, I, I already did my music yesterday, so I'm going to actually I'm actually reconnecting with books in a way that I haven't um, before, and I'm actually I'm reading old friends' books that I would I pretended to have read and didn't um, or started and didn't finish, which I can't believe I just admitted. That's horrible. I just admitted that they're sitting all around me right now, and I'm like, I hope no one listens to this. I hope you don't and you don't. Anyway, um, but then I'm also uh, something that's comforting to me, actually, and this is weird, but um, Philip Roth's um, American Pastoral I'm reading for like the third time, and it's oddly resonant right now. And I haven't read it probably in about 10 years. So it's kind of, it's like a, you know, meeting someone all over again, because I'm at a different place now. Mm. And obviously the world is. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think the thing that's been helping me the most during this time has actually been movies and a lot of rewatching. Um, but I'll, I'll stick to I'll stick to the music in this regard. Um, Nine Inch Nails uh, came out right at the beginning of when everything got shut down with two albums: um, Ghosts, I believe it was Ghost Four and Ghost Five, or Ghost Five and Ghost Six. And the first album's like really sort of um, hopeful and, you know, with acknowledging like they, they sort of, they were working on this anyway and they changed all the titles to kind of, to kind of like match the pandemic, but the music like eerily goes well with the pandemic. So I, when I want to feel hopeful, I listen to the one album. um, And then when I want to, when I want to like really kind of like, 
not like I don't know. Sometimes you have to like lean into something like this. Their second album was called Locusts, and I'll listen to that when I'm like walking to the grocery store and the streets are all like empty and everybody's wearing a mask and it just I don't know why that makes me feel better in a way. Um, and but more recently, I've been kind of getting tired of this whole. Um, pandemic nonsense and it, so I've wanted to feel um, a sense of normalcy and so I when um, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out last year I was I was in Los Angeles and I was listening to the soundtrack of that it's a lot of like stuff that was out in like 1969 on the radio um, a lot of like fun loving um, music um, that you can kind of just wander around to. And it's, it's, I'll go out on a sunny day and I'll take a walk and listen to that and remember what it was like to be able to just live life normally. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever have normalcy again, but it'll be different for sure. I love all those suggestions. I have some new music to listen to clearly. Um, I'm going to find that playlist, Melvin. Um, <laughs> so my last Yes, please. Um, I'm going to get some sausage at the store today just for that. Um, my last question was asked to me in an interview once, and I started crying, at, and I didn't control it. And I remember thinking, I would love to know everybody's answer for this. If you could have lunch with your younger self, about what age would you be? What would you tell them now, knowing what you do? And more importantly, what would you eat? And I say that because I... I love people through food. And so I would love to know the answers to that. Benjamin. I'm 38 years old now. And when I was 28, I was diagnosed with advanced stage cancer and I went through six months of chemotherapy. And so I think I would talk to myself right before this happened. And I would, I would cook, um, uh, tomato sauce and uh, spaghetti, spaghetti and tomato sauce from scratch. Cause I'm, I've gotten quite good at that, especially after, um, 74 days in Wales, I've been feeding my whole family. I've gotten, I've gotten real good at making a mirepoix and properly <laughs> cooking a sauce from scratch. And I would, I would bring out a bottle of my favorite wine, a red wine called Brunello. And I would tell my younger self, you're going to be able to cook. And I was <laughs> really, I would tell my younger self, write it all down. Write it all down. Because what seems unforgettable will, it'll start slipping. It'll start slipping for all different reasons, good reasons, bad reasons, but write it all down. Great advice. What about you, Melvin? Um, wow. Um, well, first, I'm like you, Emma, that I love people through food. It's like my top love language, like me and food, like. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm 37 and I would speak to my mm, preteen self, 11, 12 years old. Um, I, you know, I was often tracked in these, you know, talented and gifted classes with primarily white students. And because of that, often compared myself to white students and sought their approval and validation. Um, and so what I would do is I would get some Jamaican beef patties with some strong ginger beer, like the Reed's ginger beer. I don't know if y'all know about the Reed's ginger beer. Um, and we would just have a chat in a park. 
um, about, um, you know, who you are and where you come from. I went, originally went to Ghana on a study abroad experience and I went to, um, the places where my ancestors had their final baths and were kept in dungeons before they were loaded onto the ships, carrying them into slavery. And it had a profound experience on my sense of self um, and who I come from and feeling that my experience on earth is not incidental. It's a, mirac- it's a miracle, really, because my ancestors survived so much. So I would, I, would, I would tell this younger self about that experience in Ghana and what I learned there. Um, and the importance of um, standing in your truth and not comparing yourself um, to anyone. Wow, that's huge. Um, I guess I need to do a different one from yesterday. So <laughs> I'm going to go with um, yesterday, you guys, was like a Thai curry, uh, like a Penang vegetable curry tofu. <laughs> um, Today, I'm going to go, I'm going to make myself a little older than yesterday. I'm going to say 20, 25, 24, and I'll go to my office in New York City, Mud Mud Cafe, Mud Spot, which is where actually Samantha, when we met, I had you meet me there. I call it the office because like, it's literally where I've had every important meeting of my life um, for the past, you know, 20 something years and actually put it in one of my books, my graphic novel about a polar bear when he you know, hits rock bottom and gets into AA, um, or actually NA, because he was on cocaine. Um, he ended up getting a job as a barista at, the, at MUD, um, and it saved his life. That's a side note. Um, but we would be at MUD, and we'd be in the back, uh, outdoor, covered patio, myself and that that aged person. And I would tell that person what Melvin said earlier, Really, it really um, struck me about kind of the time it took you to make these decisions and make these choices and, and take steps um, that for whatever reason felt right at the time, which I think we should all listen to that. But if I knew then what I knew now, I would tell myself to ignore that shit and to take steps and to not waste time. Um, even though I don't feel like I'm a time waster, I think that myself now in my, as I'm 40 and um, <laughs> I think that me now, knows how short life is and how quickly things go and how even a year in the wrong place is way more than um, you need to figure shit out. So sure, try shit, get in, but then get out and um, take some steps that that seemed like you needed more time with, but actually in the span of this lifetime, it was nothing. So I, first of all, none of you looks your age. Um, <laughs> you all look younger. <laughs> I was I was shocked. Um, I was shocked to hear everyone's age. So I am I'm 40, um, and I so I would go way way back um, to before I probably started to become stubborn and hard hearted. Um, so I don't know, maybe like maybe like nine or ten, and um, I would be tempted to kidnap myself and take myself somewhere you know where I can you know, live a little more freely, but I don't know. It was in the eighties. Um, but I would, we would eat enchiladas. Um, I probably didn't like enchiladas back then, but for some reason I have to order enchiladas everywhere I go, no matter what kind of restaurant. <laughs> kidding. Um, and I would, I've made a lot of decisions in my life, um, based on the fact that I didn't think who I am today was possible. And so I'm not sure if it would be so much anything I said as it would be just sitting across to myself and showing that person, you know, look who 
look who you will be someday. Um, maybe, maybe just hold on, you know, maybe just, maybe don't, maybe don't try to fight it. Um, you know, be safe and take your time, but maybe don't, don't try to, as it says in the song, um, kill off Samantha. Um, because you'll be able to be here someday. Um, and I think that would be, yeah, that would be it. I love that. That one made me emotional. I think all of us, first of all, I'm so happy that you're all here, um, both physically or virtually and, and spiritually, because I think at the end of the day, we all have struggles, but I think, um, I know, I think I talked to T about this, that he was, he was like, the majority of my cast could be in your project in the Faces of Fortitude project because everyone has had that moment where they just think that it would be easier to not be here anymore. So knowing that you're all here changing the world and that you decided to stay, um, you know, because I, I lost my brother. It'll be 13 years ago this next month in Pride. And um, he struggled with his his gender and his sexuality and didn't feel like he could stay. And I think that um, I know he's here and I know that he is giving his energy to this project and is so excited about Pride Month and Transgender Pride Week because mentally he might not have been able to be part of it. But now, energy wise, he definitely is. So I want to thank all of you all so much for being here and for helping make my Pride so much more special. Um, I really can't express what you all have done and what the video has done. And I might have added to those views, Benjamin, because I probably have watched it about 39 times right now um, from different computers, just, you know, because that's what I do whenever I feel like watching it. But um, you've helped me in my journey and I'm getting more confident and I've made a lot of life changes in this quarantine even. Um, and I, I owe a lot of it to all of the bravery that each of you have had. So I thank you all for this. And thank you so much for being here and let us know where we can watch the video and where we can find each of you online if you want people to follow your journey. Um, if you don't, that's actually okay too. I'm just one of those people that puts my whole life out there. So we'll start in the same order that we answered the questions from. The song I Am Samantha can be heard anywhere music is heard, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music. Uh, the music video I Am Samantha can similarly be seen uh, uh, on YouTube. And there's a fabulous short behind-the-scenes documentary interviewing the cast also on YouTube. Um, I hope you enjoy I Am Samantha. I hope you enjoy the video. Uh, I have been... Uh, grateful to have made it with these extraordinary people and um, everybody be well. Um, I can be found on Instagram at it's got to be groovy. I T S G O T T O G R O O V Y. I'm also on YouTube. It's got to be groovy. I started out my YouTube channel by documenting my transition. So I have videos all the way going back to the beginning, 2009 uh, for any folks who are watching this and want to sort of um, see my transition diary. I love that. I did not know that. I might uh, check that out myself. My supervisor, like, one day told me that she stayed up till 3 a.m., 4 a.m. watching all of my videos. And she came and told me the next – and I was like, I mean, that's fine. I mean, they're public, but <laughs> did you have nothing better to do at I 3 a.m.? I love that, though, because what a, what, a, what a connection now they must have to, like, your yeah. – I love that. Yeah. 
Um, thank you. Um, I also super grateful to be here, super grateful you're giving time and space and energy to this project because I just want as many folks to get eyes on it as possible because then there's more points of connection um, and then connections between those connections. So that is my fervent wish. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're interested in the man-made documentary, it's uh, manmadedoc.com. Uh, it's also man-made doc on Instagram. And I also have a website, t-cooper.com, which is um, entirely outdated, proudly, proudly <laughs> so. Um, but it's like old school websites. When you clicked on things and there were pages, there were no lines, like it's it's some old old shit. Amazing. But we're, I might fix it. Um, but anyway, thank you everyone for being here. Thank you. I'm so grateful for, I'm so grateful for the cast. Melvin, you're the representative of it right now. Samantha, to a certain extent, but you've been there since the beginning. I'm so grateful for the cast to stepping in um, for stepping in and, and trusting me with their images and their faces and their bodies and their safety and their lives. Um, because I couldn't, we couldn't, this wouldn't exist without them, um, without you, Melvin and, and folks who just were willing and just so game to be like, you know, Melvin's just like playing, like playing kind of a straight dude with a white girlfriend, <laughs> you know? And he's like, sure. I'll walk down holding her hand. You know what I mean? Like everyone was just cool. Like the yoga lady was like, sure. I'm a yoga lady or, you know, like everyone just did whatever. And it, it was just so game that people could, could just be themselves and it had nothing to do with being trans. It was just people in the world. So I feel really grateful for that. And obviously grateful for Benjamin, you know, for creating um, this story that we could hang these beautiful images on um, and, and Samantha's life as the, the Colonel there. So real grateful. So I want to, I want to thank you, Mary Angela. Um, am I saying your name right? You did. Nice job. Okay. I want to thank you. Um, I've, I've had a chance to kind of look at what you do and what you do is very important. Um, I watched your TEDx and found it incredibly moving. Um, and I definitely want to thank, um, thank Benjamin for starting all this. I know that he always says that I asked him to write a song, but I feel like it was a, uh, I feel like it was, you know, his idea at the beginning as well. Um, it's not as if I brought all this into existence. Benjamin's the one who did the, did the, the work in the artistry. Um, I was just there to complain about his, yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was just there to tell him, you know, when he spelled something wrong or something, um, <laughs> not that that matters. Um, Melvin, thank you so much for being in this video. Um, I, everybody who's in this video is just so incredibly, like I watch it all the time. Some of those clicks are mine. Um, in this difficult time, it is, it is um, you know, when you go on, on Twitter um, at two in the morning for some silly reason and you see your identity being attacked by, you know, people every which way, um, it's, I go back to that video and, and I, I watch it or I think about it. I know it exists and I see just, you know, the beautiful faces, every single face in that video is a beautiful face and a, a brave, a brave individual who is visible, um, and who, you know, is a person of worth. And it's, it's just, it just restores me to like, see it and to know it's out there. Um, and T. Cooper for, for, you know, coming up with this amazing vision and executing it um, so beautifully, so movingly. Um, it, is, it is a beautiful piece of art. Um, I, hope, I hope a lot more people um, get to see it. Um, you can find me at, um, at, on, on Instagram at, at Samantha Paula Williams um, and on Twitter at, at Samantha Exists. I love that. Yeah. Can I can I add my thank yous? 
Of course. Of course. This is Pride Month, of course. No, so seriously. So thank you, M, for the platform that you're providing and the work that you're doing. Um, I know it's touching people's lives. And so thank you so much um, for even bringing us on here today as well. Um, Benjamin. Yo, thank you so much for this awesome song um, and Samantha for the inspiration for that song um, and T for your work. I shared that video um, on Facebook and got so many responses from my friends um, and they've shared it too. Um, and again, like, thank you for the vision um, and the way that you brought that vision forward. And so it's, I was telling, I, th- I can't remember if you were on the call when we were talking about this or not, but I was telling them like, you know, like I, knew the video was going to be good, but when I saw it and I was like, holy crap, this exceeded whatever I was expecting um, to, to come out of this. So thank you so much for your work. That is so great to hear. Thank you. You all are very special humans. And woo, before I get emotional, which has happened like twice, um, I will sign off, but I do want you to know what in, in this pride, this is a d- very different pride for us. And we're trying to find pride inside and still celebrate together while we're all so separate and having to, save lives and be safe by being inside um you are all a beacon of hope to so many of us so thank you for being here thank you for your time and yeah i'm excited to connect with you all and to be friends going forward so thanks for being here thank Thank you you for having us thank you thanks for joining us for this conversation as part of our face to faces series We hope you'll join and support the Faces of Fortitude community on Instagram at Faces of Fortitude, on Facebook at Faces of Fortitude Portraits, and on Twitter as myself, Mary Angela Abeo. If you'd like to become a face in the project or join me in conversation on the podcast, or maybe you have an idea for a topic we should explore or a person we should interview, please contact us at booking at facesoffortitude.com. And until next time, please have extra patience and kindness for yourself and others.